the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. In this episode, it's my turn to lead the Bible study. We look into what the Bible says about God, our foundation. The main reading is Matthew 7, from verse 7 to the end of the chapter. Uh, Dave's volunteered me a few times for these Bible studies on a Thursday night now. Uh, and uh, there's a couple of patterns that started um, coming through as I'm preparing for these. Uh, firstly, I quite often have ideas whizzing around my head, and then when I sit down and I start praying about them, God puts a completely different idea in there, uh, and a totally different topic comes up. Uh, it's a good job this time because my thoughts were all over the place. Uh, secondly, uh, he always picks a topic that is maybe a little bit pointed in my direction. So uh, you'll have to excuse me, I might be preaching just to myself tonight. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, again, that's true tonight. Um, tonight, we're going to be looking into what the Bible teaches about God, our foundation. Uh, probably the obvious link there between the wise and foolish builders from Matthew 7 that we've just read there. Uh, I'm sure there was a song in Sunday school that, that I remember singing about that. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing. Um, but as easy as it is to sing those words as a child, as an adult, it's a little bit more difficult. It's harder to achieve. Because what Jesus is saying here impacts every element of our lives. Um, Shall we read the same message, uh, this time from Luke? Uh, So it's uh, reading one. And why call ye me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show show you to whom he is like. He is like a man who built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the, that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that builds his foundation, built a, built a house upon the earth, against which the strength did, did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Quite often, uh, the Bible uh, is quite clear, and this, uh, to me, is one of those times. Uh, Jesus is being pretty blunt here. If you're a follower of Christ, then he needs to be your absolute foundation. You need to live the life of faith. It's not a part-time thing. It's no good listening and going, well, that's nice, that's all, yes, I understand what Jesus has said. God as a foundation has to be absolutely transformational and impact everything. Um, I've got a couple of modern paraphrases um, that I occasionally look at, you know, things like the message. Uh, They can lose quite a bit of clarity um, as part of the translation, but it can be useful to sometimes just see sort of a different wording, if you see what I mean. Um, The the message rephrases uh, Matthew 7 like this. Uh, These words I speak to you are not incidental. Uh, They're not homeowner improvements um, to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, 
You are like a smart carpenter who builds his house on the rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, and a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. Yeah. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his hand, house on a sandy beach. When the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. I said at the beginning that God uses my times as preparing these Bible studies as a bit of a, a pointer. Well, he wasn't exactly being subtle there, was he? <laughs> um, let's think about this in physical building terms. Uh, I'm sure most of you are quite bored of me talking about the fact that we moved house at the end of last year. Um, as part of buying a house, you get, when you get your mortgage, you have to get a, a, a surveyor to, to give, run a survey on your house. Uh, and if the surveyor had come back to us and said, um, right, Nick, the house is fine, but the only problem is they've built the foundation on the left and they've forgotten it on the right, I'm pretty sure at that point we would probably start looking for another house. Uh, let's take another example. Um, Josh, with his degree, was probably better to talk about this than I am, but I'm going to have a go. Uh, you know Charteris Bridge over there li links Oakdale to Blackwood? Yeah. Um, they only built it 10, 15 years ago, um, and I'm sure you noticed that they keep doing roadworks on it. I read somewhere, I'm not sure how true it is, the reason they keep having to do work on the bridge is because they didn't get the foundations right, and it's very slowly sinking. <laughs> uh, let's, so let's think about the physical foundations the Bible talks about. Um, when I was looking up readings, there was quite a, found, uh, quite a, a theme going through of, of things where God is, is a physical foundation. Uh, so I picked one example from Job. Uh, so it's reading uh, two. I know that. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, mm. Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Mm -hmm. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? <laughs> Tell me if you understand. Who marked off the dimensions, surely you know? Who stretched out in measuring line across it? On what were his footings set? Or who laid his cornerstone? While the morning stars sang, sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, who shut up the sea behind the doors when it burst forth from its womb? When I made the clouds its garments and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no further, here is where you proud waves halt. So in the Nick paraphrase of this reading, um, <laughs> God's basically saying, who are you, Job, to, to, Job, to, to, to even question me? I designed the world, I put everything in place. In essence, God is the physical foundation of the earth. Uh, and you can kind of get that, it's not, it's not, you know, not kind of get that, you get that also from Genesis. Um, if you, you know, look at the way that the earth was created. So in purely, in purely physical terms, it's absolutely, you know, you've got to get your foundations right. But it's exactly the same thing when it comes to the structure of our lives. Uh, I've got a good friend I used to work with, um, and he's a pretty opinionated guy. Uh, <laughs> loves having a good old debate. Um, we, uh, we get on quite well. And uh, a couple of years ago, he started going to church. Uh, 
and and I was like, brilliant, fantastic. And and we, you know, we were chatting about it. And, and when I started sort of talking about faith and stuff, he said to me something really interesting. He said, Well, I'm more of a cultural Christian. Now I found that a really odd phrase. But he's a smart he's a smart guy and he's read he's read huge sections of the Bible and huge sections of the Quran and and basically made an intellectual decision that that what the Bible describes more fits with his worldview. Um, so what he meant by a cultural Christian was that, that he agreed with what the Bible said. But a personal faith, no, no, that, that wasn't for him. Unfortunately, in some churches, uh, and, and quite, quite often historically, um, is that's, that's a bit, that's, that's, you know, that's a fairly un, non you know, a common thought, you know, in, in some churches and certainly I say in history. But what it isn't is building your foundation on a life of faith. Yeah. And when we really get down to it, that isn't what the Bible expects. The Bible expects us to change. Yeah. Sorry, to be changed. Yeah. Because when Christ is your foundation, it's a total surrender to the Lord. Um, uh, reading three, please. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my body longs for you, in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory, because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips in mouth, my mouth will praise you. If, uh, if that's not total surrender, I'm not entirely sure what is. <laughs> um, we'll, have, we'll have a couple of readings from the New Testament as well, if that's all right. So that's uh, reading four, please. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay, and then uh, in reading five, which is Galatians five. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. Mm. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Okay, let's be honest here. Nothing I've said yet is any great surprise to you guys. You know this stuff. As a church, these teachings are not exactly new to us. So the question really is, given that we know what the Bible says, that we know that our relationship um, and our lives have to be bound, have a foundation in a relationship with God, how does it impact us? And maybe more importantly, how, does it, how are we living as God as our foundation? Um, I've chosen a couple of points to look at, but really, it's going to be individual to each of us. It's something you need to have a chat with God about. Yeah. It's a personal thing. If, there's a per if there are parts of your life where God isn't the foundation, you need to have a chat with him and he'll, he'll, he will let you know. Yeah. So the first point I was going to look at was um, God, our personal foundation against sin. Um, is your personal foundation solid or are there areas that are just a little bit wobbly? If we look at uh, physical foundations, one of the, one of the faint ma uh, main parts of um, 
of, of a foundation is the waterproofing, like, what the, you know, making sure that water can't get into the, the, the foundation of your building. Mm. Um, I'm sure I read somewhere um, that, that water will always follow the easiest course, <laughs> and that the reasons that rivers twist and turn are because they're following the easiest way, so sand is easier to get through than rock. Um, and that's why rock is better as a foundation. The devil and sin is a bit like that. He isn't going to waste his time on the really solid bits of your, of your foundations, those things that it doesn't matter how hard he tries, you're not going anywhere. No, it's going to work on the bits that are a bit more wobbly. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that bit, each of us have bits in our lives where we are a little bit wobbly. Oh, For some it might be forgiveness. You know, We've spoken about that quite a lot over the last year. For some it might be a bit of pride. Some it's a, a sin or a habit that, that is getting in the way. Yeah. For each of us, it's probably a bit different. And like water, the devil will attempt to use that little bit to, to, to get in. And once he's in, he widens it and he flows against it and, he, and he, he has then a chance of bringing down your stronger foundations. Because he's used the crack in your faith. And then he works on it to make it wider and wider. Um, Wayne's message uh, on guilt on Sunday was wonderful, wasn't it? Uh, despite the slightly dodgy internet connection. Um, guilt is a jackhammer that will try and shake our foundations. Um, so how can we firm up those, those areas that are a little bit wobbly? Um, first of all, you've got to know where the problem is. Um, talking to God and getting into his word, you've got to, you've got to find that problem. And like I say, he will tell you. Um, but Paul gives us a great bit of advice in Ephesians 6. Um, so it's reading 6, please. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, Done everything to stand, stand firm. Then, mm-hmm. with a belt of truth back around your waist, mm-hmm. with a breastplate of righteousness in the, in place, mm-hmm. and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, mm-hmm. which is the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Um, The next uh, area I wanted to have a little uh, think about was um, our families. Uh, God, the foundation (coughs) of our family. Uh, My wife, Jen, loves reality TV. And she quite likes a lot of the American shows about uh, weird American families. Uh, one of the shows she watches that absolutely drives me crackers is something called 19 Kids and Counting. It's about this huge family in Arkansas, uh, and they have 19 kids. <laughs> but not only did they think, well, that's not complicated enough, we're going to name every child with the letter J. So you've got Josiah and Jonah and, oh, it's just, it's just crackers. I just... <laughs> As much as I don't understand how Jen finds that type of show entertaining or interesting, um, the faith of this particular family is really full, you know, full front. You know, they, they, they don't exactly hide it. 
And I find it pretty humbling, humbling and inspiring, quite frankly. As a, as a family, there's enough of them to run a Bible study. So they, every day they have a Bible study and each of them take it in turns. They pray together as a family. And their faith is just absolutely core to who they are as a family. But actually the point I wanted to make when thinking about God, our foundation of a family, is a little bit more tricky than the obvious appearance, you know, as, as, as good as that, that example is. Um, I found Acts to be an absolutely fascinating look at the, the early church. Um, and Acts uh, is written by Luke, um, as Dave calls him Dr. Luke, uh, the same guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke. Um, now, it was a pretty good job that Luke was a doctor, because if he was a salesman, he'd have been rubbish. Um, in Luke 14, he basically tells us to really be aware of what we're signing up for. Uh, so reading 7 is uh, Luke um, Luke 14. And they had great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross, and come after me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able, with ten thousand, to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassador, sorry, an ambassage, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be, for you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt hath lost his favour, savour, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So not long after I, I started it, uh, coming to coming to this church, uh, once, and me and the big guy upstairs got back in touch, we um, they they've led a Bible study on the first part of that uh, that reading, uh, the verse twenty five, where it talks about you know your, your father and your mother and your children, and I remember walking home and actually being quite upset about it because as a son and a husband and as a dad. I don't really understand how God can expect that of me. Having spent some time that evening um, wrestling with God in prayer, I think it's probably safe to say, um, he let me basically, basically let me know I'd got it all twisted up. And what he taught me that uh, evening is that God as the foundation of my family means that he has a better plan for my family than I do. Yeah. You've got to hand your family over to the Lord. As a parent, uh, particularly, I find that very hard. The reason I was struggling with Luke 14, verse 25, was because although I had surrendered myself to the Lord, I hadn't surrendered my family to the Lord. Because it's not what God was teaching me that night. It isn't that I love my family any less, but God still loves them more. In, a, in the end, God is a far better father figure than I am. Um, most of you know my, my family situation, that, that I'm the only born again person that lives in our house. However, that still doesn't stop me putting God as the foundation of my family. Mm. 
my family is almost constantly on my prayer list. You know, um, doing Bible studies and prayer meetings as a family, well, that's just, that's, that's just inconceivable at the minute. But, but it doesn't stop me praying. Yeah. I know that God won't force anyone to believe, but my prayer is that my, as God is my foundation and my family, is that the that, Jan, that the kids, will see, you know, will see something different in me and realise that they've got something missing. And each of us will have a different family situation. You know, you, you, it doesn't necessarily have to be the people you live with, or, you know, you, you still can make God the foundation of your family. Um, my next point is future. God, the foundation of your future and your plans. Um, over the last couple of years, uh, we've had a, some really powerful testimonies from, from people and, and people in our church family um, where they've had to put their, their lives really in God's hand. Um, thinking, Stu, when you were um, made redundant. Um, Mike, you've spoken recently about your job changes. Uh, Gordon, I think I remember speaking about his decisions when he was going to retire. I'm sure you can think of others over the years. And one of my favourite proverbs is from um, is Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, and it's uh, reading 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. I've, uh, I've got a paraphrase of the Bible and it's, it's very a very paraphrased version. It's called The Word on the Street and the idea is it's meant to be uh, some sections of the Bible written in, in very urban language, in very uh, language that for, for people that have absolutely no background in, in church or, 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 or biblical understanding. Uh, and the version from that, that the verse here from Proverbs 3, uh, the, it words it this way. Um, Base your confidence on God. Build your life on the girders that God sets in place, not the flimsy scaffolding of your own understanding. In everything you take on, put God top of the list of credits and he will, he will direct you. Let me pose a scenario to you. You're presented with an opportunity. It might be something relatively small or it might be one of these great big life decisions. Maybe you have a really good think about it and uh, you weigh up the pros and cons. Uh, get advice from, from people around you, um, do what I do, go on Google and do some research. Um, and once you've pretty much made up your mind, you think, oh, hang on, I'd better have a chat with a big guy. Um, any of that sound familiar? <laughs> what we've done there is taken God out of the foundations of the decision. And we've made his view just another factor to consider. Sure, getting, getting a bit of advice and, and doing your research, that's not, a, that's not, a, that's not the wrong thing to do. But the first point of call has got to be God. Mm-hmm. If we do it the wrong way around, mm-hmm. what you're basically doing is presenting God with a fader, a fader complete. Oh, that's good, wasn't it? Um, that's right. uh, basically, you're, you're, you're presenting God with a, a decision you've already made your mind up on, and you, you want God to basically go, well, yeah, Nick, you're fine, I, I agree with you, you know, a bit of rubber stamping. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take a couple of more verses on this one. Uh, back to Proverbs again. So, uh, reading nine is Proverbs 16. To man belongs the plans of the heart, yeah. but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Mm. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. The Lord works out everything for his own ends, even the wicked, for a day of disaster. And if you're even questioning whether God should be part of your plans, James has a bit of a word for you in uh, James 4, and that's reading 10. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, 
we go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money? Why do you not even know that what, would, well, what will happen tomorrow? <laughs> what is your life? You are a mist that yeah. appears for a little while <laughs> and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. That's, that's not exactly subtle again, is it? <laughs> there's, there's, some real, there's some real crackers that I found this time. Uh, um, part of that reading talks about money, which... Um, it's obviously a, a bit of a, a theme going through the Bible. Uh, Jesus certainly mentioned it a few times. Um, so did Paul in his letter to Timothy, so uh, reading, a levacy, uh, sorry, reading 11. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to, be, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and will, willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of a life that is truly life. Um. So maybe one of the things we should be considering when we're thinking God is the foundation of our future and our plans, it comes down to how we spend the gifts that God has given us. Mm. Don't worry, uh, no more about money. I'm going to move on because I can sense <laughs> some of you getting a little bit nervous. Um, okay, so what about this? Uh, our ministry. Uh, God, the foundation of the work he's asked us to do for him. Now, at face value, you think, well, that's a bit of a no-brainer. If, if I'm doing God's work, then surely that, that then God is the foundation. Otherwise, what's the point? But actually, is it, is it as straightforward as that? Um, in Luke chapter 10, God spells out a situation between Mary and Martha. Um, so reading 12, please. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sisters left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Fairly sure there's been one or two sermons preached on that one. Just, just one or two. <laughs> Uh, clearly Martha is pleased the Lord is there. She's rushing around getting things sorted out. But although Jesus is the centre of why she's doing it, he's not the centre of what she's doing. Which is actually, in this case, she should have been learning from Jesus. As a church, we can fall into this trap. Mm, true. Uh, reading 13 from Revelation. To the angel of the church in Sar uh, Sardis, right... These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God yeah. and the seven stars. I know your deeds, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Yeah. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. 
Remember, therefore, uh, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at that at what at what time I will come to you. Mm. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not so soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never bolt out the name of that person from the Book of Life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Uh, in the past, I uh, will emphasise in the past, I've been at churches that maybe have a risk of falling into the, church, the, the same problem that the church in Sardinia had, so it's that, uh, fell into. As most of you know, I, I grew up in the Salvation Army, um, a denomination that at times can be very, very busy from, for the Lord. Uh, as a kid, it quite often felt like we were at church more than we were at home. Um, and don't get me wrong, there are some absolute giants of faith who are Salvationists. Um, some people who absolutely walk in step with the Lord. My mum and Jem's uh, dad uh, spring to mind immediately when I think that. But there were a number of activities that we did that, well, it was just something we did. Or, well, we've always done that. Or, well, that looks like fun. Now, I'm pretty sure that um, there are quite a few churches around that are maybe a, a little bit like that. And I'm fairly sure I, I, I'm not a unique on that in, in, this, in finding this and some of this. Dare I say, it's maybe an element in most churches, yeah. possibly. Mm -hmm. um, later in Revelation 3, it talks about the church at Lady. Laodicea. Oh, it said it better in my voice, <laughs> in my ears. Um, thank you. Um, and it talks about Jesus knocking and the church being too busy to let him in. And, and it, it should be a bit of a nudge and a bit of a wake-up call to, to, to a lot of churches. That's not to say that we shouldn't be busy for the Lord. We absolutely should be. But it's got to be with Jesus as the foundation of what we're doing. And he must have told us that this is something that he wants us to do. He must be at the centre of the activity. Uh, do many of you know the song uh, The Heart of Worship by Matt Redman? Um, the, the, don't worry, I'm still not going to sing. You used to see it in the No, no, no. <laughs> um, it's, it, 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 the, the chorus goes, uh, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. I remember hearing an interview with Matt not long after he, he wrote that, and that, that song became well known. Um, and he, he tells the story of, of how that song came about. I, I don't know whether many of you know it. But in the late 90s, he was, he was a worship leader at a really big, lively church in Watford. Um, and, and the church had a, a massive congregations and it was a really uh, big building. And they, the worship band, they had uh, songs that they'd write and then went all over the world and were sung you know, in, in thousands of churches. But the pastor identified something missing in the worship. In all the lights, the sound system, the huge congregation, the albums, the, 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 inter, the ministry that they had around the world, they missed Jesus. And they, 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 they lost the plot a little bit. The song tells the story of what that church did. They unplugged the sound system. They stopped the albums. They went to a really uh, basic version of worship, or a basic uh, interpretation of worship. Um, and in case you don't know the song, the, 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 first says, the, ver the first verse says, When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth, that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself 
is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. And then he goes into the chorus of, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Um, once Jesus was back in the foundational place in that church, they didn't then stay there. They brought back the, 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 the band and they brought back the lights and they, they started releasing albums and, and, and doing the stuff they did. But the difference was that Jesus was at the centre of what they were doing. It was all about Jesus. Now, in my eyes, that's a bit of a brave move. They took something that was, on the outside, very successful. You know, that could be argued. It was a draw-in for people into the church, that they had this ministry and it, and it was very successful. It's, it's pretty brave, isn't it, just to go, well, you know what, we're going to stop that. But it was more important for that church to get their basis right than it, than it was to... To, to, to do the work of Jesus without Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if Jesus isn't the centre of what we do, right. isn't the foundation, well, what's the point? Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. How about hope? So Jesus as, uh, Jesus, uh, the Christ, uh, God as the foundation of our hope. Each day there are so many things we put our hope in. Uh, when I sit down in my uh, ch- office chair at, at home, I put hope in it that it isn't going to start sinking. Uh, as we're driving around on the road, you hope that the other drivers around you are going to obey the rules. When I go to the freezer, I put hope in the fact that I may not have eaten all the ice cream. Although, that, hopefully that is less likely nowadays. No, I'm trying to be good. Well, I'm trying anyway. It's a Yeah, I know. <laughs> But really, as Christians, things are never hopeless. Uh, Reading 14 from Philippians. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was in also in Christ Jesus, who using being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Um, yeah, I'm not, not entirely sure why I picked that one. <laughs> that doesn't sound quite like what I was expecting, but never mind. Um, you only have to flick through the, the, the news and look at what's going on around the world um, to f- start feeling a little bit hopeless. If it's not the situation in Afghanistan, it's the, the fear of, of uh, the, fact, the climate or COVID or the hundred and other one things that are going on around us. It can be quite easy to feel well, quite unhopeful about things. It can be sometimes quite hope, hard to feel hopeful about the church, particularly when they shoot themselves in the foot. Um, I'm quite a big Twitter user. Um, sort of the uh, internet thing, and um, and it, you know when I see some of the things that people put, and and with a complete disregard for those things that as Christians we hold quite dear, I sometimes think, well, how can God touch the the people that are writing these things? Is is it not just a losing battle? But when we put God at the centre of our hope, nothing is hopeless, because in the end He has the master plan, and as individuals we have a uh, we have a, a, a hope that isn't in earthly things. It's not in those celebrities or those things around us, those things or, uh, or people that lead our countries or, or lead our communities. 
It's not even in ourselves, and thank goodness for it. It's in the creator of the universe. Re uh, reading 15 from Isaiah. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Mm. Who created all these? Yes. He who brings out the star Yost one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Yes. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Amen. Um, as, as a family, we were very touched by all the messages and all, all the people that prayed for us when my dad uh, died in, back in January. Um, and before the funeral, the, um, the immediate family said, so my mum, my sister and her husband and my brother and his partner and me and Jen, we, were, we, we got together at mum's house. And before we went to the service, mum asked me to pray and I have the privilege of thanking God for the witness of my dad. Yeah. to thank God for the hope that we have yeah. that we know exactly where he has gone yeah. so in an incredibly hard and sad situation like that we have absolute hope yeah. because nothing and God is our foundation of hope is hopeless I've yeah. um, got just a couple of final thoughts um, it, it occurred to me as I was uh, sort of putting, pulling, uh, thinking through this study that when a builder puts a foundation down for a building you can look at it and you can get an idea of the shape of the building just by the shape of the foundations. So getting our foundation right in our lives gets the shape of our lives right, which um, kind of lines up with one of Dave's points on, from Sunday, that when we're walking with the Lord, our walk starts to resemble the Lord's walk in terms of we, we, we start thinking through, thinking like he does, or attempting to as much as we can, and seeing through, through God's eyes. Um, the thought, though, I'll end on uh, comes from Psalm um, uh, 102, yeah, uh, which is reading 16. Thanks, Ken. In the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing you will change them, and they will be discarded. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. So, should we build our foundation on God? This reading tells me we can. It tells me that God is solid. He can be depended on. He is the rock that we can build our lives on. A faith in Jesus um, and, and a foundation of God isn't building our lives on the sand. It's rock of the absolute hardest type. So let's make God at the foundation of everything we are and everything we do. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org.